All right, I figured that's going to happen because you came to eat. Uh, <coughs> Philippians chapter number three, and uh, hopefully I can do my notes and everything here on this, this little deal here. Uh, it's good to be here. I appreciate Brother Joe and his family, and uh, just, just uh, thankful for this church. Pray for you guys all the time. Let me just say this to men. A church is only as strong as the men in the church. Uh, that's not taking anything away from the ladies. But a church is not any stronger than the men in the church. And uh, I just, I believe that with all my heart. I tell our men that all the time. And uh, thank God for the pastor. But the pastor can't do it by himself. And uh, so you need to have men in, in the church. And uh, I always tell people Solid Rock is a, is a men's church because it is. I, we don't pick on the ladies, you know, we don't take them advantage of them or anything like that. But uh, you've got you to gotta have men in the church. I'm going to preach a message tonight in the first half I know. Well, it's all, it's really to me. But in Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 13, two things you don't do. You don't eat before you preach. And you don't preach to people who just got done eating. And uh, so after that, it's all downhill. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I, it was that last cookie that got me. <clears throat> Brethren, I count, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Father, I pray that you just bless this simple message. Lord, I pray for the men here tonight that they'll get something from this. And uh, we love you, God. We praise you. You're our God. And uh, we're so thankful, Lord, to be, to be saved. We're so thankful to have the Bible. And Lord, just to have your love. And uh, I pray, God, for your presence here. Lord, just, there are just a few of us here tonight, but I pray you bless us and meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to preach a message tonight on things to remember and things to forget. Uh, the World Trade Center, when the towers came down, uh, a lot of people would have a sign up, never forget. But, you know, I think on purpose, the news ignores, you know, you don't, you don't we, we show it every year on the anniversary. We show it in our church because we don't want people to forget. Amen. There's things we should not forget. But let me just say this. I'm losing my tracks here. There's things that we should forget. And uh, I want to start out preaching about some of the things that we should forget. Over in... Uh, here I am already. <clears throat> Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43. I'm having a senior moment up here in Danbury, Connecticut. But in Isaiah 43, and I wish you had a Bible with you, but I'll read it to you in verse number 3. The Bible says, I am the Lord thy God. Capital O-R-D, all capitals. The Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Now here God introduces himself. He says, I am the Lord God. I am the Holy One of Israel. I am the Savior. All capitalized. 
Now, all three of those titles apply to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he won't suffer his Holy One to see corruption. Talking about Jesus being the Holy One of Israel. And Jesus is the Savior, and Jesus is Lord. So God says, I am the Lord your God, I'm I'm your Savior, and I'm holy. And then, over in verse 11, he says, I, even I, am the Lord. Capital O, capital O-R-D. And beside me there is no Savior. Uh, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. We were down on the Ocean City boardwalk, and I saw two ladies there, and they had some literature, and I went over and I said, Jehovah Witness. Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in the deity of Christ. Just these two verses I've read here tonight, and this really doesn't have anything to do with the message, proves the deity of Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Holy One. He's the Savior. He's God. It's all here in two verses. And then here's what he says. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. Some things we need to remember. Some things we need to forget. Here's what we need to forget. We need to forget our sins. We need to forget our sins. I'm not talking about current sin. I'm not talking about continual sin. I'm talking about past sin. I'm talking about confessed sin. When I got saved, I got saved because I wanted to be forgiven. I came to church. I heard preaching really for the first time in my life. I grew up in that church, but there was no real preaching. It was the Kirkwood Community Interdenominational Church. Turned into the uh, Calvary Baptist Church, and Pastor Gardner was a, a gospel preacher. And I sat over here on the right side, probably about the second, third aisle. And I don't know what he preached on, but all I knew was this. I needed to be saved. I wanted to be forgiven. I didn't get saved because I wanted to go to heaven. I didn't get saved because I didn't want to go to hell. I got saved because I wanted to be forgiven. When we ask the Lord to forgive us, the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's what God says. I am he that blots out thy transgression. When I went to school, we had fountain pens. Some of you youngsters don't know what a fountain pen is. We had an ink well, and we had ink, and you had this pen, and you had to fill it with ink. And you just made a mess. You just got all over everything. And I can remember as a little kid, man, ink everywhere. The teacher had an ink blotter. And she would come along with that ink blotter and put it on that desk with all that ink. And guess what? The ink was gone. That ink blotter sucked up all that ink. And there was no mark. There was no stain. There was no nothing. You know what God says? He says, I am he. That blotteth out. Let me read it to you again. I am even he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Only God can forgive sin. Some guy running around in a black bathrobe can never forgive your sin. One sinner can't forgive another sinner. He said, I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. Will not remember thy sin. Hey, God chooses not to remember our sin. God chooses not to remember our sin. He says, I'll blot out your transgressions and will not, I will not, doesn't say he can't, he says, I won't, I will not remember thy sin. Now, that's good, but this is bad. Look over in Psalm 51, if you have a Bible, 
If not, listen to what I read. David has committed adultery with Bathsheba. He's killed a man. He's done two of the worst sins anybody can commit. And he is repenting. He repents to God. And he says, have mercy upon me, O God. He didn't want justice. He didn't want his rights. He wanted mercy. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I want to be clean. I want to be forgiven. And then he says this, I acknowledge my transgression. It's not my wife's fault. It's not somebody else's fault. It isn't the rough childhood I had. It's me. He said, I acknowledge my transgression. And then he says this, my sin is ever before me. Now, that's the hard part. When we confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When God forgives you, he forgets all about that sin. He says, I won't remember your sin. Now, here's the problem. We don't forgive ourselves. We don't forgive ourselves. Here's what David said. My sin is always before me. He's reliving that. Did you ever ride down the road and just wish you could punch the windshield out? Because some, something you did comes into your mind that you have regrets about, but you can't change, you can't change the past. You can't change what's happened. Uh, I didn't get saved when I was 30 years old. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in, 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 a, in a Bible church. And there's a lot of things in those first 30 years that I regret. Now, I'm glad. Listen, I'm glad for young people don't get saved out of sin. They get saved from sin. But that wasn't me. Now, here's the deal. Listen, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever gone down the altar? Let me, let me, uh, let me give you an illustration. Give me, give me your Bible. Give me your, give me your Bible. Give me your Bible. Give me your Bible. Brother Joe, give me your Bible. Now, let me ask you a question. Did he give me the Bible? Huh? How many people think he gave me the Bible? You saw him give me the Bible. All right? You say, what are you, crazy? You keep saying, give me the Bible, give me the Bible. Let me ask you a question. If you get down this altar and you say, God, forgive my sin, whatever it was. Does God forgive you? But let me ask you a question. Did you ever go down and confess the same sin again? How about a third time? How about 50 times? There's stuff in my life. You know, it's amazing. Talk about what you forget. I I can forget what I had for lunch. But I'll hear some stupid song or some joke or something that I heard 50 years ago, and it still comes right into my mind. Now, I'll tell you what that is. Listen, that's not God bringing your old sin up. That's not God. That's the devil. That's the devil. David said, my sin is ever before me. Let me read you out of Revelation chapter 12. The Bible said the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out onto the earth. That's all these space invaders they're looking for. You know, the Martians and the uh, unidentified objects and all that's going to happen when the devil comes down with his angels. That's, That's going to happen. He was cast out onto the earth. The angels were cast out with him. Devil has his angels. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For, listen, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The accuser of the brethren. The Satan accuses us to God. But Satan whispers in, listen, Satan loves to take you down memory lane. Satan loves to take you down memory lane. Satan loves to torment you with the past. 
Now listen, if you have repented of a sin, if you've put that under the blood, if you've confessed that to Christ, he has forgiven you. And he will not remember that sin. There's that song says, what sin are you talking about? I can't remember them anymore. I won't. He, He can, but he doesn't. Now here's what I'm saying. There's some things we need to forget. Paul said forgetting those things are behind. He had a lot of things behind. He, he was there when they stoned Stephen. He went and took women and children and men and put them in prison. And no doubt a lot of them were stoned. And he had that on his conscience. And here's what he's saying. I can't let that stop me. I'm here. God's called me. God saved me. I'm a new creature in Christ. I, I can't let the past keep me from what God wants me to do. If you're not careful, listen, it will. It will. Nobody, listen, nobody is worthy to stand behind that pulpit. It's just the grace of God. I am not worthy to stand here. Brother Joe can pump me up like, you know, the second coming of George Whitfield or something. I know what I am. My wife knows what I am. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm dust. The Bible says we're just dust. But thank God. Listen, God forgives us and God forgets that sin. And you need to say, listen, I'm not going to keep confessing the same old stupid sins over and over again. Because they're gone. My sins are gone. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I've read Psalm 51. Psalm 103. I'm thinking, what happened here? Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful, thank God, and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide with thee, uh, neither will he keep his anger forever. Now listen to this. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. God, listen, God doesn't deal with us as sinners. He deals with us as sons. He doesn't deal with us as sinners. Let me read it again. He has not dealt with us after our sins. We sing a song, you know, just an old sinner saved by grace. God does not look at you as an old sinner. God does not look at you as a cleaned up sinner. God looks at you through the righteousness of Christ. He sees you as righteous as his son. Just as if I've never sinned, justified. He doesn't look at a sinner's cleaned up. He looked at somebody that's totally, perfectly righteous. Jesus Christ took my sin on the cross. He, he took my sin. He gave me his righteousness. God looks at me as a son. He does not deal with us according to our sin. As the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. For as the east is As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God has removed our transgressions. John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God that does what? Taketh away the sin of the world. The blood of goats and bulls and heifers could never take away sin. It covered sin, but Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, took our sin away. The Bible says your sin is as far as the east is from the west. Listen, if you go north far enough you'll start going south. And if you go south long enough, you'll start going north. But you can go east forever because east and west never meet. Here's something really profound. 
North is top and South is bottom. How about that? And here's another thing. There's penguins at the South Pole, but none at the North Pole. So if you say, what'd you learn? That's what you learned. <laughs> Notice the Bible, though. Listen. You know, he didn't say it. The Bible's just so perfect. It isn't like as far as your sin is from the North to the South. You know, it's East to West. He's, he, your sin is gone. He doesn't deal with us after our sin. Look in Luke 15, the prodigal son. Now, I'm not going to preach long. I know it's night. We got church tomorrow. In Luke chapter 15, you know the story of the prodigal. He leaves home. He gets out into the far country. And he ends up in the pig pen. All right? And in the pig pen, verse 17, he came to himself. This is when he repents. This is when he's sorry. This is when he's going back home. This is when he wants his father to forgive him. And he comes back. He says, I'm going to rise. I'm going to go to my father. Verse 20, he arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And we could preach on for days on these verses. And the son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. You can see that he already repented before he left the pig pen. And the father said, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. This my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found and he began to be merry. Now, what didn't the father say? He never, listen, he never even mentioned his sin. He never even brought it up. The brother brought it up. Hey, it's the brother that brings up the sin, not the father. What, that, that boy, he, 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 treat, he didn't treat him as a servant. He said, I'll be one of your servants. And what the father basically is saying is, you're not my servant, you're my son. God deals with us as sons. What a way to deal with people. I didn't know. Listen, when I grew up, I loved my mom and dad as much as I could love them. I love them more than anybody else in the world I love. I didn't understand how much my mom and dad loved me until I had my own children. When I had my own children, I realized the love that a father has for a son. And that helped me to understand that. And some of you have children, and you know what I'm talking about. God never, never brings it up. He never brings it up. Why do we bring it up? Why, if God doesn't bring our sin up to us, why do we keep bringing our sin up to God? Why, you know, give me the Bible. Give me the Bible. You already got it. Forgive me my sin. Forgive me my sin. He forgave you the first time you confessed it. Don't keep on going. Don't keep on torturing yourself. Don't live in misery. You don't want to do it. Let me give you a second thought. Things to remember. Things to remember. Over in Psalm 27, verse 13, David says, I, 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 I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what's really sad? Lost people don't understand the goodness of the Lord. David said, I'd have, I would have fainted if I hadn't believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't ever forget how good God is. Don't ever forget how good the Lord is. Don't ever forget the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 33 verse 5 says this, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. God's goodness is everywhere. We need to be careful we don't overlook it. We need to be careful we don't miss it, that we don't see the goodness of the Lord. David said, I'd fain unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. You know, we talk about heaven. When we get to heaven, there's going to be no more sorrow and no more pain and no more sickness. That's wonderful. 
But God's good to us right now. God, listen, God's good to lost people. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The thing is that the, the lost people don't recognize his goodness. And here's the sad thing. There's a lot of Christians that we don't recognize it either. My son has a saying. He says, you're not spoiled if you have a lot. He said, you're spoiled if you have a lot and you're not thankful for it. If you don't appreciate it. There is not a person in this room that we have not had the goodness of the Lord. You may have a rough life. You may have health problems. You might have a lot of things going on. God is still good. Remember the goodness of the Lord. Don't overlook the goodness of the Lord. Don't miss the goodness of the Lord. Let me say secondly, Isaiah 51. Things to remember, things to forget. In Isaiah 51, Isaiah says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. That's us, I hope. He said, Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you're digged. Let me say, number one, don't, don't forget the goodness of the Lord. Remember how good God is. And then let me say this. Remember where you came from. Remember where you were when God found you. Remember what you were doing when you got saved. How many people got saved as an adult? Let me see your hand. All right, most people in this room. Here's this picture. Here's this pit. Here's this quarry. And here's all this rock. And right in the middle of all that, there's this hole. There's this square hole or this round hole where that rock was cut out, that marble or that granite was cut out, and now there's just an empty space where it used to be. Remember, listen to me, remember where you came from. You know, I think after a while people get saved, and, and we treat people like we were never sinners, or we were never lost, or we never had the Lord. You know, we, we can, if we're not careful, we can look down our nose on lost people. Hey, we're not better than lost people, we're blessed. We're not better, we're blessed. Don't forget where you came from. Remember where you came from. Think about this. Where would you be if it wasn't for the Lord? Here's this hole in this, in this wall, in this, in this quarry, and there's that empty space. Listen, I got saved in 1975. Every Friday night was poker night. We had a big poker game going. I mean... Just that was Friday night. I'd go play poker 8 o'clock Friday night. We'd play till about 6 o'clock Saturday morning. We'd go to work till about noon, and we'd run down to the horse races. And I'd come home Saturday night and crash. Then I'd get up Sunday morning, take my wife and kids to the diner, and think I was a great dad. Can I tell you something? When I got saved, there was an empty chair at the table. I can, in my, in my mind, in my memory, I can see that empty chair where I used to sit. And I thank God that that chair was empty. My old buddies would come out for months after I got saved. On Friday night, they'd come out in front of my house, beeping the horn in the truck. Yo, Clark, come on, come on, Clark, quit playing around. Come on, you'll be back. Come on, we're going to play and we got a game. We're going to the races. You'll be back, just come on, quit playing. You know what, that was 1975. I don't have any intentions of going back. I just, two weeks ago, I had one of my old gambling buddies come up from South Carolina. And he was coming up to visit his son. He called me on the phone and said, I want to meet up with you. And we, we met up. 
And, you know, he's, he's still back there where we were in 1975. I mean, still blowing his money, still living like a derelict. I mean, I said to him, I said, you know, what's new? He said, same old stuff. Man, I thank God. I thank God what he, what he saved me out of. I really did. We were sitting on the porch down Ocean City yesterday morning. And uh, there was a guy, a couple guys down the street. They were working on a roof. My wife looked at me. She said, you know, you can still be swinging a hammer. I did construction 15 years before I got into ministry. And uh, after I went and started our church, I went back in and worked for another eight years. And, and there's nothing wrong with swinging a hammer. I'm not saying that. And, and construction was good to me, and it's good for a man to work. But what she was saying was this. You know, God's just done some wonderful things in our life. Amen. Some things we never expected, we never planned on, couldn't imagine was ever going to happen. And, you know, if it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord, we'd have missed all that. We'd have missed it all. Don't, don't ever, don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget what the Lord's done for you. Look at Psalm number 40. Psalm number 40. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and he heard my cry. Lord, save me. He had, God always answers that cry. Peter out on the water, Lord, save me. And we know that was a physical saving. But when you cry out to the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He brought me up. Listen, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. Don't forget how horrible sin is. Listen to me. You know, the, the children of Israel, they got looking back to Egypt. Things were rough. Things were tough. And they said, man, we were back here in Egypt. We had the onions. We had the garlic. We had the leeks. You know, everything they mentioned stinks. But listen, you know what they forgot? They forgot about the taskmaster's whip. They forgot about how hard Pharaoh was. They forgot about being a slave. They remembered the few pleasant things they had. Hey, I want to tell you something. I've lived as a sinner, and I've lived as a saved man, and buddy, I wouldn't go back for nothing. You can paint sin. Listen, devil makes sin look good. But I heard somebody say this. All of Satan's apples have worms in them. Sin, listen, sin is a horrible pit. Sin is a horrible pit. He said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. You know what clay does? It sticks to you. You ever been down south, that red clay, that Georgia clay? Man, you walk in that stuff, it's hard to get out. It just sticks right to you. You know, that's the way sin is. Sin will stick to you. Sin, you've got to get rid of sin. You've got to kill sin. He said, he brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth. Thank the Lord, I got something to sing about. Lost people don't have nothing to sing about. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. God brought me out of that horrible pit. Brought me out, cleaned all that miry clay off me. And he put a new song in my heart. And I'm never going to forget what God's done for me. Never going to forget how good the Lord has been to me. My wife and I, I met my wife when she was 14. And she was the oldest of 12 kids. Really poor. I mean, poor, 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 poor. And uh, when she was 15, I started taking care of her. I was 17. We were in school together. I would buy her lunch, a milk and a roll. I bought her shoes because she didn't have no bottoms on her shoes. 
I bought her clothes. I didn't know anything about courting and all that kind of proper stuff. And uh, I just loved her, and she didn't have nothing. We got engaged. Um, she was a senior in high school. We got engaged. When the, the day she turned 18, we bought her marriage license. You had to be 18 to get married. And uh, there was another couple in school, and they were just about our age, maybe just a little bit older, and they were dating when we were dating. We lived in the same town. They got married the Saturday before us. They got married one week before we did. We went to the wedding. We went to the reception. The next week, we went to our wedding, went to our reception. We, we, we ended up living in the same town. The other couple, the husband's name was Don. And I remember the morning when I heard the news that Don went into the bathroom and put a pistol in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Now listen, we had so much in common. I mean, our circumstances were almost identical. But here's the difference. We got saved and they didn't. Now I'm not saying we'd have went out and I'd have shot myself. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, I wonder a lot of times, where would I be? Where would I be without the Lord? Where would my kids be without the Lord? What would we be doing if it wasn't for, If we hadn't got saved, what would have happened in my life? Man, I was headed down the wrong road, I guarantee you. I do not, listen, I do not believe I, I would be married today if I hadn't gotten saved. I don't believe I'd have a family today if I hadn't gotten saved. I, it just wouldn't have happened. Because back then, listen, it was all about me. I did what I wanted to do. And everybody else, kind of, you just fall in behind somewhere. I just want to tell you, listen, I'll never forget what God's done for me. I'll never forget what God has done for me. Where he brought me from. Let me, let me say this, and I'm going to close. Remember what you're here for. You have a purpose in life. We're born to serve the Lord. We're here for God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, therefore, glorify God in your body. We're bought with a price. We're bought with a price. Remember what you're here for. We're here to glorify God. We're here to love God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. We're here to serve God. Look in Acts chapter 16. What are we here for? It's not, listen, it's not about money. It's not about boats. It's not about trucks. It's not about guns. It's not about golf clubs. It's not about, you know, whoever dies with the most toys wins. We are, we are born to glorify the Lord. Amen. To glorify God. We're born for him. In Acts chapter 16, um, it came to pass, verse 16, we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Listen, what a compliment the devil was giving us. And what a compliment the devil was giving God. These are the servants of the Most High God. Can I tell you something? There is no greater privilege in the world to serve the Most High God. Look what it says. These are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. That's what we are. We're God's servants showing people how to get saved. That's what it's all about. Souls saved, lives change. That's what it's all about. All the money in the world is not going to make you happy. I have friends of mine who got more money than you can imagine. I got, I, got, I got people in our church. I got doctors in our church, lawyers in our church. Some of those people are the most miserable people in the world. 
It isn't about that. Serving God. Serving the Lord. Here's this woman. Think about this. She's got the right message, but she's got the wrong spirit. You with me? She's got the right message. These are the servants of the Most High God. They show on us the way of salvation. But she's got the wrong spirit. We need to have the right message, but we need to keep the right spirit. We need to be careful we don't get pharisaical. We need to be careful we don't get pharisaical. That we think we're better than everybody else just because we're saved. No, we're not better than anybody. God's better than all. It's God that's good. What a privilege. Listen, what a privilege to serve the Lord. Let me say one more thing here. And I go on, I got one more point. Philippians chapter 1. I want to read you this. <coughs> Philippians chapter number 1. And verse number 20. Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, in nothing I shall be ashamed. We're not going to be ashamed of the Lord. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Romans 10, 11. He said, <coughs> but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You know what you do when you magnify something? You make it look big. You know what we need to do? We need to make God look big. We need to make God look big to everybody. We need to make God look big. We need to do everything for the glory of God. Remember what you are here for. I don't, listen, I don't want to reach all my goals and miss the purpose God made me for. I believe God has brought me into this kingdom for such a time as this. And I believe God has brought you into this. Hey, we're in this world right now for today. This is our time. This is our time to shine. This is our time to serve God. This is our time to make God look big. This is our time to glorify the Lord. This is our time to love God. It's all about God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Brother Joe. It's all about God. That's our purpose. We don't, we don't, don't get off the trail. Don't, don't, you know, the main thing is keep the main thing the main thing. Main thing is God. Main thing is God, getting people saved, the church, the activity of the church, getting people saved, preaching the gospel. But don't, don't get off into a bunch of junk. Remember what the main thing is all about. It's all about the Lord. It's all about God. Remember who you belong to. Remember who you belong to. I remember there was a song, Take Good Care of Yourself, You Belong to Me. I'd like to think my wife belongs to me, but she belongs to God. And you belong to God. Paul said, there stood by me this night, the angel of God. Whose I am. Whose I am and whom I serve. Don't ever forget you belong to God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You know, people, I have a right. Well, I have a right. I can, I have a right. No, you don't have any rights. We belong to him. We're bought with a price. He paid for us on the cross. And we need to remember that. You mean remember who you belong to. Temptation will come along. Temptation. This world's just full of temptation. Yeah. Hey, we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. I, I, was, I was down the shore. We get down the shore early before all the nudists get there. And we go off to a place on the beach where there's nobody but us. But I want to tell you something. Listen, I'm watching the people just in, in everywhere, just the way they're dressed. There's all kind of temptation. Remember who you belong to. Hey, yes, remember whose you are. You belong to the Lord. Let me say this. Remember where you're going. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm, I'm going to be 72 if I make it to July. I, I've got some real health issues. And I understand. Listen, I don't think I'm going to be here a whole lot longer. I, 
you know, I don't, I don't, Don Sisk said, I don't, I don't buy green bananas at my age. We just live one day at a time. But I thank God. Listen, I know where I'm going. I do a lot of funerals. I do, sometimes I do three, four funerals a week. When I'm doing that funeral, I always look down that hole. I've never seen anything down there I wanted. There's never, I never saw a, 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 a nice hole in the ground, a grave. But I look down that hole, and I think this a lot of times. I think, you know, I thank God I'm not going down that hole. Amen. They may stick my body down there, but I ain't going that hole. Amen. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. I'm going to be with the Lord. Amen. This old house I used to live in, they can do what they want with it. Man, they can, they can burn it. They can bury it. They can do whatever they want. But they're not sticking me in that hole. It's just the house I used to live in. Just the earthly house. I've got, a, I've got a home in heaven. I've got, I've got my mom's up there. And my dad's up there. And I've got, I got half a church up there, Brother Joe. Even preached the same church 36, 37 years. I mean, you've got a lot of good, godly people. And they go home and be with the Lord. This, don't, don't, don't live here like this is forever. This ain't forever. This, this is, we're just strangers. We're just, we're just passing through. Your life is like a vapor. Pierce for a little while, vanishes away. Don't live, listen, don't live for this world. Love your family. Love your kids. Enjoy life. Man, I love life. I had, a, I had a few strokes four or five years ago. I remember sitting there, and I probably told this story before up here, but I'm, I, had this, I had this stroke, bad one at church. I'm sitting there, and, and uh, one of my boys, Michael or Charlie, says, Mom, Dad had a stroke. And she said, uh, well, what's he upset about now? You know? Uh, and I remember sitting there, and, uh, the, you know, these EMT guys and the ambulance people, they're all there. And my blood pressure runs high. My blood pressure runs like 160 over 90 or something. They took my pulse. It was like 60 over 30 or something. And I looked at Charlie, and he looked at me. And here's what I thought. I'm not afraid to die. I know I'm going to be with the Lord. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm not afraid to die, but I don't want to die. Because I love my family, and I love serving God. But one of these days, listen, one of these days, the Lord's going to call me if he doesn't come first. Now, I'm praying he comes, and he needs to hurry because I ain't got a lot of time. <laughs> but it's good, listen, it's just a good thing to know where you're going. Amen. To know where you're going. It makes all the difference. I'm with a lot of people when they die. And I'm telling you, John Wesley said this. They were criticizing him and mocking him for being a Christian. And here's what he said, and they didn't have an answer. He said, our people die well. A big difference between a Christian dying and a lost person dying. A big difference between a Christian funeral and lost people at a funeral. Lost people, listen, they have no hope. They have no help. You, you really, I do all these funerals. I have a funeral director in the church, and we got like a little ministry going on, and he, uh, I'm doing more Catholic funerals than I am Protestant because the priests don't want to be bothered. But I'm telling you this, listen. You really can't comfort lost people. You really can't comfort them. Because for them, there's nothing beyond. When, before Christopher Columbus discovered America, there was a saying in Europe, nothing beyond. That's the way lost people live, nothing beyond. Eat, drink, and be merry because, you know, party to your puke because this is all there is. Can I tell you something? I'm glad this isn't all there is. Hey, forget your sin that's already confessed. I'm not talking about 
you know, if you're living in sin, don't worry about it. I'm talking about once you put on the blood, just forget it. And, and whatever, you know, we, we, had a, we had a deal down in Texas. We were in the roll-off homes, and a bunch of people had, you know, really bad stuff in their life. And, and one of the main rules was don't talk about old time. Don't talk about old time. Don't think about it. Just the devil brings that thing up. Just say, thank God that's forgiven. The Lord can't remember that, doesn't remember that, won't remember that. And this is a devil, and I'm not going to remember it either. Lord, I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, something was said here tonight would be a help to these folks, these men, help it be a blessing to them. Lord, help us to love you with all our heart and all our soul, all our might. And, Lord, help us to serve you with all our strength, all our energy. And, uh, Lord, again, we just, we just thank you for so great salvation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother.